I'm Bill Allerton from Urban Tiger Radio, deep in the concrete jungle heart of Sheffield, United Kingdom. And with me here today, as she is every day, is Nelly, <coughs> the Urban Tiger. I hope you're enjoying these stories that I will continue to bring you. But don't worry, if you are enjoying them, there are quite a few left yet. It will be a while before we get to the end of them. So, I'm Bill Allerton from Urban Tiger Radio, and this is your next story, coming right up now. Foxes, Frogs and Rice Pudding This is a story written from suggestions by Halima, Ned and Mushraf, also starring Princess Zira. Princess Zira was a very special little girl, and this was written with Sharrow Primary School, in 2002 and I hope you enjoy it. Foxes, frogs and rice pudding. One bright day Ned and Halima were playing by the river. They rushed around in circles jumping over each other, their bright red bushy tails flying in the sunlight. After a while they ran out of breath and sat down, panting, to watch the river flow past amongst the trees and the tall grasses by the water's edge. Further up the bank, the baby fox cubs were playing at hide-and-seek in the early daffodils that swayed in the spring breeze. Halima watched them for a moment, then counted them. Ned, she said, there's one missing! Ned sprang up onto all fours and narrowed her eyes. She counted them herself, yes. You're right, she said. But who is missing? I think... Yes, it's Mushraf, said Halima. Ned and Halima rounded up all the cubs and asked them if they had seen where Mushraf went. But they hadn't. I'll track him, said Halima, and she bent her nose to the ground and followed the scent of her fox cub until she reached the edge of the water. He went into the river, here, she cried. Ned took all the other cubs and made sure they were safe and would stay in the den, before returning to Halima. The water is shallow here, she said. Yes, said Halima, but if he was swept downstream into the pool, she closed her eyes and lowered her head. He can't, he can't swim. Don't worry, said Ned. We'll find him. Come on. Ned trotted along by the river path, occasionally scenting the grass to see if Mushraf had climbed out, but there was no scent to be found. By the time they reached the deep pool that formed in the lee of the small island, Halima was almost crying. We'll, we'll never find him now, she said. He's, he's lost forever. Ned waded out into the stream towards the pool. Suddenly, all the frogs on the island began to croak a warning. <laughs> Get away! Leave us alone! Be quiet, said Ned, or I will eat you. You would have to catch us first, said the frogs, hopping in and out of the water. Halima shouted to them from the riverbank. Have you seen Mushraf? We have lost one of our cubs and we think he might be in the water. Serves him? Right then, said the frogs, for not being a frog. 
Ignore them, said Ned. She picked up a very heavy stone in her mouth and waded out into the deep water until it was up to her nose and her tail floated out behind her, red and bushy with a white tip. She gave a little spring upwards and dived down nose first into the pool. The white tip of her tail waved once and then disappeared beneath the surface. Halima stood in the shallow water at the edge of the river and waited for her to come back. Down in the water, Ned swam deeper and deeper until she could hardly see in the poor light. The weight of the stone meant that she could reach the very bottom and stay there while she searched. Using her front paws to pull her along, she trod every inch of the bottom of the pool. But there was no sign of Mushra. Letting go of the heavy stone, she shot to the surface and breathed in great gulps of fresh air. He's not there, she gasped. We could have told you that, said the frogs. Then why didn't you, asked Halima. Because you eat frogs, they said. Don't tempt me, said Ned, shaking the water from her fur all along to the tip of her tail. A big fat mother frog came to the edge of the island. You've lost your baby? she asked. Yes, said Halima. His name is Mushraf and we followed his scent to the river but we now can't find him. I know where he went said the mother frog. The other frogs all shouted. <coughs> Be quiet, she said to them. Fox or not, she is a mother looking for a baby, so I will help her. She turned to Halima and Ned. But first, you must help us. How? asked Ned. Are you hungry? asked the mother frog. But that's a silly question. Foxes are always hungry. She hopped away from the riverbank towards the middle of the island. Follow me, she said. Ned and Halima waded across the river and followed the mother frog onto the island. All the other frogs hopped well out of their way for safety. Soon they came to a small clearing. In the clearing were food cartons and old paper plates of the kind humans take for a picnic. Humans left this mess, said the fat mother frog and frogs don't like to eat this kind of food, and so we can't clear up the mess that they made. This island is our home, but they never remember that. If you eat it all up, we can clear away the rest of it, and our home will be clean and tidy again. Halima and Ned stared down at the food that had been left behind. There was fish pie, Brussels sprouts, rice pudding and spinach mixed together, I can't eat this, said Ned. I'm going to be sick, said Halima, just at the sight of it. Then we can't help you find your cub, said the fat mother frog. Ned and Halima looked at each other across the pile of discarded food. Oh, well, they said, and began to eat. When they had eaten it all, they rushed out to the river and jumped in to take a long, long drink. Thank you, said the frogs, and kicked all the empty cartons off the island into the river where they floated away downstream. The fat mother frog hopped up to Ned and Halima. Your cub paddled upstream, she told them. He went around the bend in the river 
then got out and went into the dark cave. Oh no, said Ned, not the dark cave. No one knows how deep that cave is, said Halima. We may never find him in there. Come on, said Ned, at least we know he hasn't drowned. They trotted off upstream in the direction of the cave. As they rounded the bend in the river, they saw the opening of the cave. It was as wide as ten foxes, and as tall as four foxes stood each on the shoulders of the other. What they could see of the entrance was dusty and sandy, but very quickly it became darker and darker until they could see no further into the cave than the length of three foxes, including their tails. In the sandy dust of the cave mouth, a row of tiny footprints led onwards into the darkness. He was here, said Ned, inching her nose forwards into the darkness and sniffing, but the scent is fading quickly. Suddenly, an icy blast of chill air blew out of the cave mouth. It penetrated their wet fur and chilled them to the bone. He'll freeze in there, said Halima. Then we'd better find him quickly, said Ned. Come on, I'll go first. You take hold of my tail in your teeth, then you won't get lost. And if I fall, you can pull me back out. They set off, carefully, into the cave. Neither of them could see anything at all, so they placed their feet gently down upon the dust. Soon the floor started to slope away from them so that they were going rapidly downhill. Ned's feet began to slip and she cried out as they slid from under her. She slithered downwards into the darkness. Halima followed, slipping and sliding with Ned's tail clamped firmly between her teeth. After a few moments... The floor of the cave levelled out and they tumbled to a halt. It was dark down there, but somehow not quite as dark as before. Down at the end of a long passage through the rock there was a faint green glow. Halima turned to Ned. We'll never get back out the way we came in, she said. It's too steep. Ned sniffed around in the dust that they had disturbed by their entry. I have his scent, she said. He went that way, and she pointed with her nose towards the green glow in the distance. Then we have no choice, said Halima, carefully leading the way along the passage. Follow me. They padded carefully along the floor of the passageway, their paws silent in the dust until they came to a large, clear area. The rocks and the walls shone with a quiet, luminous green. In one corner they could see a set of stairs leading upwards, and in the dust on the steps were tiny paw prints. This way, said Ned, and she led the way cautiously upstairs. When they reached the top of the stairs, they found a large wooden door. It was open, just enough so that a fox cub could wriggle through. Halima pushed it with her nose, and it swung wide open. It's a room, she said, like the ones humans live in. They looked around and saw tables, sofas and chairs, like the ones they had seen when they peeked in the windows of the cottages by the river at night, when all the humans were in bed but some of these were covered with large white 
sheets. The edges of some of these sheets flapped slightly, but Ned could feel no breeze. She shivered in her still wet fur. I don't like this place, she said. It's too human. But it doesn't smell like humans, said Halima. It's a scent I don't recognise. In the dust on the floor was a row of tiny footprints. They led over towards a large bed. He went this way, whispered Ned. Follow me. And they tiptoed over to the bed. The bed was too tall for them to see onto, so Halima dragged a small chair over for them to stand on. They jumped up onto the chair and... There he is, said Halima. Shush, said Ned. If the humans come, they will catch us. On the bed, wrapped in a white sheet, was Musha. He was quite fast asleep and looked unharmed by his strange journey. Halima stepped onto the bed to wake him, and suddenly the sheet leapt up and wrapped itself around her too. Help! she cried out loud. Ned took the corner of the sheet that was hanging over the edge of the bed and dragged them all to the floor. As they hit the floor, the sheet unfurled. Halima grabbed Mushraf by the scruff of his neck and pulled him away. She dropped him to the floor, a safe distance away. Ow, he said, that hurt. The sheet leapt up into the air, where it hung like washing on the line, pegged at one corner. Two large dark eyes opened in it. Oh, it said, that hurt. Ned and Halima jumped back in alarm. Who are you, they said. The fur stood up in a ridge along their backs with fear. I wasn't hurting him, said the sheep. I was keeping him warm. Well, thank you for keeping our cubs safe, said Halima, but who, what? Are you? I am a ghoul, said the sheep, from the planet Magul. Is that upstream or downstream? asked Ned. It is upstream, said a voice beside them. In their fright at finding the sheep alive and their happiness of finding Mushraf safe and sound, Ned and Halima had not heard the door open again. They turned quickly to find the most beautiful girl they had ever seen. Her clothes were long and flowing, and her hair was dark against the blue shining silk of the gown. Her eyes smiled kindly at the foxes, and she held out her hands in a gesture of friendship. Ned growled, a human. No, said the girl, I am not a human. I am Princess Zira of Planet Mangul, and I am the last of my kind. She lifted her arms gracefully into the air. From behind her back, two beautiful white wings unfurled. They shone and shimmered in the light. Who are these, these, these sheeps? asked Halima. My faithful ghouls, said Princess Zira. They cannot harm you. Where is Magul? asked Ned again. Upstream, said the princess, upstream of space and time, far, far beyond the moon. 
We have travelled the universe in our spaceship, looking for a planet where we can stay and be happy, where the people will let us join in with their lives and let us live ours in peace. You can stay in the forest with us, said Ned. Thank you, but no, said Zira. We are a city people who do not feel at home in the forest. We need streets and buildings to make us feel at home. Can't you stay with the humans? asked Halima. Then you could live with them in their cities and visit us whenever you could. We have tried to live in their cities, said Zira, but they are afraid of my ghouls. They think they are ghosts. Humans are silly, growled Ned. We animals know there are no such things as ghosts. No one knows everything, said Zira. There is a skeleton who walks through this house at night looking for his lost head. He finds a new one every night under the bed and puts it on, but the skull is so full of fresh blood that it pours out all over the floor when he picks it up. Are you afraid of him? asked Halima. No, said Zira. But my ghouls are tired of mopping up after him. I have to have them freshly washed and ironed every morning. I could get rid of him for you, said Ned. We could chew up his bones. Foxes can eat anything, she boasted. Well, I prefer to leave him alone to get on with his, well, his death, said Zira. Everything has the right to live or die the way it should, she turned to Halima. Is your cub safe? Thank you, yes, said Halima, keeping a careful eye on Mushrap in case he should wander off again. But now we need to go back to make sure our other cubs are safe too. It is time we left too, said Zira. Humans are so afraid of us we have no place here. We must keep searching the universe. She took them to the door and said goodbye. The gulls flapped and waved at them like washing on a windy day. Ned looked back at the place they had just left. Look, she said, it's the old haunted house on the hill. I know my way home from here. Thank you, shouted Halima, and I hope you find somewhere safe very soon. Princess Zira smiled and waved to them. I am sure we will. Look after your cubs. Be safe and happy. The foxes trotted across the large green lawn in the front of the house towards the edge of the forest. As they approached the trees, they heard sounds behind them, as if all sorts of doors were slamming. They turned to see what it was and saw that the clock tower attached to the house was slowly changing shape. The doors at the bottom swung open so that they looked like rocket fins. The shutters on the belfry closed and a bright light shone through the louvers in them. They could see ghouls flapping and waving at the windows, fastening them tight. The hands of the clock zoomed around and around dizzily until they came to rest at ten minutes to two. There came a sudden silence as the house and tower stood quite still for a moment. Then a bright orange light burst from the bottom of the tower. It detached itself from the house and rose steadily onto the sky on a tall column of flame. The foxes waved until it disappeared through the clouds, like a needle pulling a long thread of smoke behind it. 
I hope they find somewhere, said Halima. They will, said Ned. There must be somewhere where people aren't afraid of things just because they're different or not quite what they're used to. Well, said Halima, at least we're safe, for now. Let's get back to the cubs, said Ned. They'll be missing us. Yes, said Halima. She poked Mushraf hard with her nose. And as for you, if you run off again, I'll... I'll... You'll what, said Ned. Eat rice pudding? Ugh, said Halima. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Well, that's all for this week's show, folks. I hope you enjoyed your free podcast from Urban Tiger Radio. And if you've hit that subscribe button, you'll be hearing from us again in a week's time. So it's a goodbye from me and a... From Nelly. Goodbye.